Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinnie Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you never opened a Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be adaptability. Let's begin in Philippians chapter 4. In Philippians chapter 4, beginning in the first verse, it says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech you, O Dias, and beseech Sintich, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned, and received, and heard, and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me have flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Verse 11 tells us, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. From this verse, We not only learn the importance of contentment, we also learn the importance of adapting. Paul was able to adapt to the circumstances that life presented to him, and it was his ability to adapt that allowed him to prosper in every season of life. We also find adapting in the next verse. Verse 12 says, I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul understood adaptability. He knew what adapting is, how to do it, and why it needs to be done. And we need to look at the same thing today. The first thing that we need to ask ourselves is what does it mean to adapt? Adapt is a verb defined as to make suitable, to fit or suit, as to adapt an instrument to its uses. We have provision adapted to our wants. It is applied to things material or immaterial. When we adapt, we change so that we are best suited for the conditions around us. The organized church is in the state it's in today because it refuses to adapt. 
as the people of God, we need to be able to adapt. Life is not monolithic. It's full of changes. There's mountaintops, there's valleys, and there's everything in between. And as we go on in life, there's different seasons that we will be faced with. And each of these times calls for its own unique response. And we need to be able to adapt and make a change if we are to do what is necessary for that moment. In this fallen world, if we're not able to bend, we'll break. Even though this is what we are called to do, the church as a whole hasn't done it. And there's a reason why this is. Frank Bartleman once said, The ecclesiastical leaders seldom welcome reformation. History repeats itself. The present leaders are too comfortably situated, as a rule, to desire innovation that might require sacrifice on their part. And God's fire only falls on sacrifice. An empty altar receives no fire. This reveals part of the mindset of the modern church. Christians in the church don't adapt because of being too comfortable. Although comfort may be nice in the moment, it's actually very dangerous. The devil uses comfort to lull us into a state of complacency because this puts us on a slippery slope. Comfort leading to complacency then leads to inactivity, which causes us to become stagnant. The enemy wants to get us to this point because once we're in this state, we don't put up a fight and he's met with no resistance. War calls for adaptability in both the natural and the spiritual realms. In wars, there's different battlefields, different fighting techniques, different enemies, and different weapons. And if they don't adapt in the natural, they'll be overcome. If an army becomes too comfortable maintaining the status quo while their enemy is busy advancing and developing their techniques, they won't be able to put up a fight. And it's no different when it comes to spiritual warfare. We must adapt. It's the only way to be successful in the battles of life. We can't allow the trap of comfort to deceive us. Jesus, speaking of the Pharisees, said in Mark 7 and 13, Making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. The church makes the same mistake today. They become so entrenched in the rut of tradition that they don't give the Holy Spirit room to move, and they don't follow his leading. This is rooted in comfort. They want things to be as they've always been. But this closes the door on the new and great things that God wants to do for his people. People do the same thing when they become too comfortable. They stop reading the word, stop praying, and stop listening inwardly for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And in doing so, they allow the enemy to keep them back from what God has for them. So then we need to ask ourselves, how exactly do we adapt? Adapt is a verb meaning it's an action. It requires us to expend energy and effort to make a change. We have to make a conscious decision to change. We have to have our mind made up, and we have to go about executing it. In order to properly do this, we need to take stock of our current conditions. We need to discern by the leading of the Holy Spirit what we need to change. As Christians, our job is to live out the will of God. Since in many cases our will is different than His, we are called to adapt and bring our will into accordance with His. This is a conscious decision that we need to make to change our will. Then we need to act in accordance with that change. But this isn't just a one-time thing. It isn't just one decision. It's a mindset. And it isn't just one action. It's a lifestyle. It's a realignment of how we think and act. This is how we adapt. One element that is central to adaptability is a willingness to sacrifice. 
Real change is inseparable from sacrifice. When we make a change, we're sacrificing what is known for what is unknown, and we're sacrificing what is comfortable for what is uncomfortable. Change in one sense is a transaction. It's giving up something in order to receive something else, and it's losing something in order to gain something. Moses understood this. Hebrews chapter 11 verses 25 through 26 tell us, Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. He made a change. He forsook the pleasures of sin. He made the sacrifice of turning his back on sin, and he turned to God. Even though serving God comes with reviling and hate and reproach from others, he adapted because he knew the reward of serving the Lord is far greater than any pleasure that sin could ever offer. He changed from the lesser to the greater. And this is the same change that has happened in all of our lives. The Christian life is defined by change. When we became born again, we turned our back on sin. We forsook our fallen, sinful nature, the only nature that we had ever known, and we ventured into the unknown. This is when we allowed Christ into our hearts, were filled with the Holy Spirit, when our minds began to be renewed, and when our actions began to change. We exchanged the lesser for the greater. We adapted in order to be prepared to receive what God had for us. When we were born again, we find all the elements present that we have studied here today. We made a conscious decision to give our lives to Christ. Then we acted on it by surrendering our lives, and we sacrificed our will and took upon ourselves His will. That's the great exchange, the biggest change that we will ever make in our lives. But our entire walk of faith is defined by changes. We're constantly and always adapting. We next need to ask, why do we adapt? There is a reason why God has designed us to change and to adapt. Change in its proper scope is a vehicle by which God brings us into what he has for us. God always wants what is best for us, and he uses change as a mechanism to get us to that point. In order to go through an open door, a change needs to take place. The Israelites experienced this firsthand as they went from Egypt through the wilderness to the promised land. Every time that they made a transition, their way of life was completely changed. But God used all these changes that they went through to bring them into the best of what he had for them. Our present conditions may be nice and they may be comfortable, but we can't shut the door on change. Because when we do, we prevent ourselves from receiving blessings and opportunities that we didn't even realize were available to us. One of the greatest hindrances to adaptability is fear. More specifically, it's a fear of the unknown. We fear what we don't understand, but we can't allow fear to dictate our thoughts and actions, and we can't allow fear to prevent us from sacrificing, because fear is never of God. We need to trust God, that no matter what a change may bring forth, that the Holy Spirit will always be right there with us to guide us through. Fear attempts to build a wall between us and what God has for us, holding us back from fulfilling the will of God. This is why we need to push past fear and embrace change so that we can do and receive all that God has planned for us. It's also important that we know why we need to adapt when it comes to leading others to the Lord. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in the 19th verse, it says, For though I be free from all men, 
Yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And under the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. In the last part of verse 22, Paul said, I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. In the NSAB, it says, I have become all things to all men. The word for become in Greek means to emerge, to become, transitioning from one point, realm, or condition to another. The concordance also says it means to become and signifies a change of condition, state, or place. Paul was adapting in order to reach people. He was willing to change in order to better suit the situation at hand. This is important for when we reach out to others because this is what God does. God meets people where they're at. He comes down to their level, and then he works from the inside out to change their lives for the better. As God's representative, we need to understand their circumstances and see the world through their lens so that we can better help them and reach them for the Lord. In order to fulfill our calling as soul winners, we need to be adaptable. This doesn't mean that we're deceptive or become someone that we're not. We need to always stay true to who we are. But we need to be able to look at things from different perspectives and put ourselves in someone else's shoes when the need to do so arises. Let's go to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, beginning in the 13th verse, it says, Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or any occasion of fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat, for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore fall after things that make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. We are called to edify our fellow believers. In some circumstances, this calls for us to adapt. Romans chapter 15 verses 1 through 3 tell us, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor, for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, The reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. When we come across someone who is weaker in faith, we need to adapt and modify the way that we act because we don't want to harm their faith. We want to build them up and encourage them. We want to help them grow in their walk of faith. But in order to do so, we need to meet them where they're at and go from there. Change is in the will of God. It's a fundamental part of our lives. We change where we live, where we work, our family changes, friends change. Change is all around us, but we find that even though change is essential to us, there is still a paradox concerning it. As much as we desire change, we also desire constancy at the same time. It's a unique combination. We need both. God sees this need 
and he perfectly fulfills it. We find the examples of this in nature. Every year we get four seasons, which each bring a change, all their own. But every year we get the same seasons, which brings constancy. Every day we have both day and night, which gives us change. But every day has the same pattern, which gives us constancy. Both have a necessary role. The same way that the Lord fills this need in nature, He does the same in our lives. Even though doing God's will brings change, we always have Him. We always have the Holy Spirit within us. He never leaves or forsakes us. He is forever with us. He's always there to lead us and to guide us. No matter what changes in our lives, God is always there with us through it all. We can depend on Him. Not only can we depend on Him to always be there, we know that He Himself never changes. Malachi 3 and 6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Hebrews 13 and 8 tells us, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. James 1 and 17 in the English Standard Version says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and coming down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variation or shadow due to change. He remains constant, and his character never changes. The way he views us as his friends, his children, and his family never changes. The fact that he always stays the same is what makes him the rock and the sure foundation of our lives. Since we know that he never changes, we also know that his word never changes. Isaiah 40 and 8 says, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Psalm 119 and 89 tells us, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And Numbers 23 and 19 says, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Since the word never changes, we can rely on it, which is why it is authoritative. We can take God at his word and never have to doubt if it will come to pass or not. God meets our need for constancy in an ever-changing world. We find this unique combination of both change and constancy in the life of Ruth. When Naomi's sons died, she told her daughter-in-laws Orpah and Ruth to go back to their families and the land that they came from. Orpah left, but Ruth didn't want to leave. She wanted to remain where she was. She desired constancy, but we also find that she was also willing to adapt and to change. In Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 through 17, it says, And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or return from following after thee. For wherever thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. She was willing to change everything. She was realigning her life. She was willing to go somewhere unknown, change where she lived, be around people she never met, and change who her God was. She was adapting in order to be a blessing to Naomi because of her love for her. We also get a good practical example of how to adapt from Ruth. We find all the elements present that we looked at before. We find that she changed her way of thinking. She made up her mind. The next verse, verse 18, tells us, when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. After she made up her mind, she then acted on it by going with Naomi. She manifested the change, and in doing so, she sacrificed all that she had previously known, 
in order to venture into the unknown. One door closed, but another opened. God blessed her, provided for, and after meeting Boaz, she became a part of the lineage of Christ. She was blessed and prospered because she adapted, but God filled her need for constancy at the same time. The last thing that we need to look at is Philippians 4 and 11. Paul said, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Content is an adjective, meaning it describes a state of being. While earlier we saw that adapt was a verb because it was an action, it is our ability to adapt that allows us to be truly content and receive peace and rest from God. Adapting is how we get to the place of contentment. We will only be truly content when we're living out the will of God, and His will calls for us to adapt. Paul learned this lesson, and the Lord desires the same for us. We can't shut the door on change. We can't allow the enemy to hold us back from the opportunities and the blessings of God. We need to push past the fear of the unknown. We need to follow the leading of the Spirit, and we need to learn to adapt. When we do, we will have peace, we will have rest, and we will have contentment. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who changes not, that you were the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you that your word never changes. And because of this, Lord, we know that we can depend on you and trust in you because your character is always the same. You never leave and you never forsake us. And we thank you that you meet our need for constancy in this ever-changing world. And Lord, we thank you that at the same time, you have given us the ability to adapt and to change so that we can best be prepared for the things that we encounter in this life. Lord, we know that your will brings change. And Lord, we ask that you give us the discernment to know how and when and what we should change so that we can better conform our will to yours. And Lord, we thank you that when we are encountering and speaking to people who don't yet know you as their Savior, that we can adapt and change to better meet the circumstances at hand and to show them their need for you. And Lord, we thank you that you are using us as your vessels to bring about your will in this world. And Lord, for all the things that you have done in our lives, all the things that you're doing and all that you're going to do, we thank you and we give you all the honor and all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to be able to adapt and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. If you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from, and if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all, and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.